0: this is Kelly with Two Broads Talking Politics, and I am excited today to have on with me Lucy McBath, who is running for Congress in the Georgia 6th District. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for joining me. So I know a lot about who you are. I've been following you for a while, (laughs) but maybe some of our listeners don't know. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, your background and the work you've done in gun violence prevention, and then why you've decided to run for Congress now.
1: Most certainly. I come from a civil rights background. My parents were civil rights leaders and part of the struggle in uh, the civil rights movement. My father was Illinois branch president of the NAACP for over 20 years, also served on its executive board. And so that was, that's in my DNA. I grew up helping my parents as they were around the nation, in particular Illinois, fighting for the civil and human rights of, you know, people of color. I was always kind of, you know, politically aware and astute of what was going on in the nation. But I was raising my son, Jordan Russell Davis, you know, as a single mom, you know. <laughs> of course, I would go to the polls and I would vote at the midterm elections and the, the uh, general elections. But I was not ever really critically engaged until my son, Jordan Davis, was um, shot and killed in a, the National Law Music case in November 23rd, 2012. And at that point, I think that was the catalyst for me to begin really challenging the existing gun culture. I questioned how these kinds of tragedies could happen to not only my son, but, you know, these tragedies are happening all over the nation. And why were our legislators not willing to stand up and defend the people in their communities? Why were our um, Peacemakers I call them, you know, our clergy across the nation, why we're they not speaking out because I know that they had in their own congregations people that have been adversely affected by gun violence. So in doing that work, you know, actually became the national spokesperson for mom's demand action for gun sense in America and also the faith and outreach leader for every town for gun safety and moms demand action, doing the work of trying to bring some common sense solutions. Uh, into our existing gun laws, working with volunteers with Moms Demand Action around the nation, uh, helping to build this grassroots movement for safer gun laws and safer communities. So that's how I really began working in gun violence prevention. Just was absolutely disheartened and my heart was broken when, you know, I began to just continue to see people around the nation being gunned down unnecessarily. I decided that, you know, after we lost the election in 2016 with Hillary Clinton, you know, I am one of her mothers of the movement and traveled all over the country really trying to help move the needle in gun violence prevention. But when we lost that election, I just started asking questions, questions as to how do we expand the movement? how we con- How do we continue to do the work when we don't have an administration that is going to be favorable towards, you know, sensible gun laws and sensible gun reform? And so I decided the best way for me to really kind of make a difference for my neighbors, the people that I live next door to every day in Georgia, is to expand the work in gun violence prevention and and to run for office. I was running for the district level seat, District 37, which is my district in Marietta, Georgia. But after Parkland, I was just completely horrified by the fact that our children were being gunned down in schools, that they're unable to spend their time being educated and concentrating on exams and their extracurricular activities with, without the fear of being gunned down. And that was really, that's the point that push, pushed me past inertia to to move for a, the congressional seat. What I began to recognize is that our children were doing the work that our legislators were not doing that our children were doing the work of preserving their futures that, are, that the adults were reluctant to do. And that I vowed that I would do everything in my power to help them. You know, my son didn't get a chance to go to college. My son hasn't gotten a chance to grow up. And I want to do everything in my power to make sure that my voice in Washington will help move the needle on gun violence prevention. And that we needed people in Washington that would have an open door policy always listening to the citizens that they represent, always making sure that they're doing the best to meet their needs, but they deserve, you know, to have an inclusive vision for the communities that they live in and that I just really believe and know that I am the best skilled for doing that work because I've been doing organizing and movement building. I've been talking with people around the nation and I've been understanding what they're concerned and worried about, and what their fears are, even outside of gun violence. And those are the same fears and concerns that my neighbors in Georgia have. So that's the reason why I decided to run for the sixth congressional district.
0: I have two young sons myself, and I I just can't imagine what what that would be like to go through. And I'm I'm so humbled really that you could take that experience and use it to to drive your activism. You know, I think for a lot of people it, it could just sort of break them. Can you talk a little bit about sort of where your where your strength and your drive comes from in doing this work and in keeping going?
1: Oh, most definitely. You know, I'm a woman of deep faith. And so anyone that knows me <laughs> knows that I lean on God. Just unequivocally, I lean on God. That is where my strength comes from every single Uh, And also, too, my strength comes from the people that that are out there doing this work, you know, people that are out there trying to save lives. You know, I look at them and I say, wow, you know, they're just like me. We're out here fighting to preserve, you know, democracy. We're fighting to preserve human life. And, you know, they're they're people that um, never have a voice. There are victims that will never get to tell their stories. There are people that will never have the resources to be able to really, you know, create the change and stimulate stimulate the change that we need to change this culture, this you know, extremist gun culture. And so, um, I, meeting with volunteers and mothers and fathers and parents and loved ones across the country who have lost someone, I know what that feels like. I know how devastating that is, not only to the loved ones. You know, the survivors of these crimes, but it's it's a devastating loss to our communities and whatever affects our communities is devastating to the nation at large. So I, I, I do not take lightly the the mantle that I've been given, but I take it on because I know that, yes, I could have tucked my tail between my legs and gone off in my own pain, but that would have been like a second death. I've already lost Jordan. And I refuse to lay down and die to this extremist culture. Um, we have a responsibility as human beings to care about one another outside of ourselves. And that is what I was teaching and training Jordan to do and be. So I, I have to live that legacy and that legacy is extended to everyone outside of Jordan. And that's why I do this work.
0: So you mentioned that as you've been traveling around the country, you've been hearing the other issues that are really affecting people, things beyond maybe connected to gun violence, but but other than gun violence. Can you talk about what some of those other issues are that are driving your campaign?
1: Oh, most definitely. I'm very, very concerned, um, you know, not only about gun violence, but I'm very, very concerned about education. No, I definitely think that our legislators should be spending more time and resources making sure that our children have the education that they need. The fact here in Georgia that we're paying, into federal, paying federal tax dollars into an education system, and if we still have children that um, don't have the resources that they need, we still have teachers that might be dealing with wages that might they might not be able to live comfortably on. Um, and also, too, I can remember specifically. And Jordan was in high school here in my district. He came home one day and he didn't have a math book. And I said, Jordan, where's your math book? He said, Mom, we, we don't have math books. I said, Jordan, you're, you're teaching me. And he said, no, Mom, we don't have math books. So I know when we're paying federal tax dollars you know, into you know, ed- our children's education, we should be able to see where those dollars are going. Our children have to be able to compete globally now in a global society. We need to make sure that we're doing everything possible to give them the safety net and the, the, the tools, everything to be able to compete and to be successful. I know that, you know, the Trump administration has been trying to, you know, <laughs> defund the Department of Education. I think that's absolutely a tragedy. And I intend to do everything that, that I can to make sure that our children have the resources that they deserve. Very, very concerned about health care. Uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of health care. My parents were health care providers. I'm a two time breast cancer survivor, so I understand and know how important it is that my citizens and my state have access to good health care. And I want to make sure that the federal tax dollars that we're paying into the health care system, you know, those federal tax dollars are going outside of my state here. We have a lot of people that don't even have access to Medicaid. I want to be able to expand Medicaid so that everyone has good health care. Because when they aren't able to have that good health care, a lot of those expenditures are passed on to the middle-income families. And I, it's, just, it's just not right. I want to make sure that we're able to, in the Medicare system too, be able to cover as many people as we possibly can. I also want to make sure that you know we're able to, to lower the eligibility age for Medicare. I think that's extremely important. Um, These are just some of the things I'm very concerned about. I'm very concerned about our infrastructure, making sure that, you know, we're able to have good, strong roads and a viable transportation system that allows people in my district to be able to go to other population centers around the Atlanta metropolitan area. So there's just a number of things I'm really concerned about. I'm concerned about immigration. You know, I just want to make sure that You know, that people are represented fairly as a woman, as one as a woman and as a minority, I understand what it means to be discriminated against. I don't Mm -hmm. believe that any person in this country should be discriminated against uh, in terms of their ethnicity or their religion. And so I also want to make sure that people have the ability to have a clean pathway to citizenship. And I could go on and on, (laughs) but these are just some of the things that are very, very important to not only to me, but to the people that live in my district.
0: And so the Georgia Sixth District, this is around the Atlanta area? Yes, ma'am. It is the
1: Atlanta metropolitan area. It's comprised the North the Cab, North Fulton, and Ace Cobb.
0: Okay. And so this was a district that was represented by Tom Price. And then when he left to join the administration the Trump administration, there was a special election there. And so even though Tom Price had been winning by fairly healthy margins in the district, the special election was actually very close between Karen Handel and John Ossoff. So do you think that that this is a district that is, is going to be able to flip to, to democratic representation?
1: Absolutely. In our special elections in the fall in November, we actually did flip five districts. And most of those seats went to women. So we see a, a tremendous trend here in the sixth district. A lot of that has to do with the wonderful platform and foundation that John also laid for people like me and all the candidates that are actually running now. There has been a tremendous amount of mobilizing, regional mobilizing. We have a lot of political groups that are popping up now. <laughs> you know, groups that are really pushing to flip, flip these seats. There's a lot of mobilizing happening, and also, too, I'm in a district now that even though it has been a slight Republican lean in the past, we're slowly but surely beginning to see the pendulum swing to either more moderate Republicans, but also a district that's moving more towards the Democratic Party. So in my district alone, my pathway to victory, I know, will be I have a district that is comprised of 60% college-educated voting women and 24% minorities. And so I happen to fit both of those demographics and I don't take that for granted by any means. But we do know that, you know, in this last race, Karen Handel did not win by a very large margin against John Ossoff in that special election. And so we also know too that, you know, the Atlanta metropolitan area basically is blue. And of course, there are more people that are migrating here every day. And we know that the number one polling issue in the fall is going to be guns. So in my district, I'm very concerned about gun violence, among the other issues, education and health care. So we know that we have a you know really, really good chance to, to, to make some changes in the district, to make the district far more inclusive. It is a very diverse district. And so the people that are elected have to represent those demographics.
0: What sort of... Reception have you been getting as you've been going around the district, I know you've been doing some some town halls and house parties and talking to people. What sorts of things have you been hearing from people and have they been embracing the message that you're bringing to them
1: absolutely it's been uh, very people have been very, very receptive in fact, people were asking me why did I choose to run the district level race instead of just going straight for the congressional race <laughs> They've been saying, you've been working on that level all along. You know, actually, you should have been running for that seat all along. But, you know, there again, it's just a matter of really wanting to serve my district in a more broader way. But they're very excited. Of course, this is the year of the woman, And so we know that women know how to get it done. And I'm just really grateful for the, the women that are supporting me, building this really great campaign foundation for me. Because I think as women know and understand that we are usually the center center and the focus of our families and our communities. You know, we have our pulse on what's happening in our families and our communities and also the nationwide. So I expect that there will be a lot of help and support from women, but definitely people that just want to make sure that we're putting a person in Washington to represent their interests that has an inclusive and diverse focus.
0: When you've been going to D.C. to Congress for, for hearings and things like that, what have you seen out of Congress? What, what do you think we could be doing? What could Congress be doing to sort of come together a little bit more and, and work together better?
1: Of course, when I've been on the Hill, when I've been in Washington, I've just seen a great deal of polarization and divisiveness. And, you know, when that happens in Washington, you know, it, it nothing gets accomplished. The people are the ones that seem to get hurt. Nothing is accomplished. Um, when there's a lot of chaos coming out of Washington, it makes it very hard to understand and know, you know, where the country is going and how, you know, how is this going to, um, what are the implications of this chaos and, and, and polarization? Of course, you know, implications are is that, you know, people get hurt. I think people are very concerned about the economy. You know, people are very concerned about, actually being able to thrive from day to day. And when we see what's happening in Washington, when there is no particular vein of a consistent kind of policy agenda coming out of Washington, people are afraid. They're afraid. They're looking for stability. And so that's the reason why the reason why we have to make sure that we're putting people in office that will have, offer a sense of stability to the, the important policy decisions that need to be made know, very concerned about the fact that, you know, when we're getting our foreign policy from tweets every single day, I mean, that makes people uneasy. And I think that people are looking for, you know, just looking for consistency. They're looking for a vote of confidence that they can have in our administration.
0: Well, I don't want to keep you too long, because I know that your schedule running for Congress is very busy, very packed. But is there anything else that you would like people to be thinking about or to know about you or, or anything else?
1: Well, what I want people to know is is that, you know, all of their concerns, a lot of that has been my own reality. I have been a single mother trying to figure out from day to day how I was going to make ends meet. I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor, so I understand how important it is that we all have access to good health care. My son, Jordan, was gunned down unnecessarily because of an, an expansive and dangerous gun culture. I understand how important it is for us to find some common sense solutions. You know, I, I just want to make sure that people understand and know that, you know, educating our children should be our number one priority. My son, Jordan, I ended up homeschooling him because I didn't want him to go to a Title I school, failing school. Not everyone has those options, but I did have that option. And our children should be able to be educated in their own community and get the best education that they can. I am a woman who, number one, I'm a woman. And as I said before, I am a a minority. And I will fight tooth and nail to make sure that no one in my state, and in particular in the country, is discriminated against because of their ethnicity or their religion. We're one nation under God. And we need to make sure that everyone in this country can live the way the constitution says they should be afforded to live. And in Washington, I intend to do my best to represent, you know, not only just my neighbors and those people that I live with in the sixth congressional district, but making sound decisions that are inclusive for all of
0: America. Well, I love that. And I, I'm really excited about your campaign and, we're going to do everything we can to amplify your message. So thank you so much for all the work that you do and, and for running for office and, and really taking on this this mantle of service. Thank you so much, Kelly. And I
1: couldn't have done what I'm doing now without the help from Moms Demand Action and Every Town for Gun Safety. They kind of have been the catalyst to put me on this road, so I'm very grateful.
0: And one final quick question. I think I saw that you like motorcycling in your, in your limited spare time. So <laughs> what kind of bike do you ride? Well, actually, I used to have a Ninja myself, and I actually sold that bike. But I do
1: ride, we have a Harley. It's an ultra glide. I ride on the back of that with my husband. I no longer ride my own. I just like sitting on the back and breathing in the fresh air and just letting my mind go free just for those few moments that we're writing. I don't have to think about anything. I can just be free.
0: Well, good luck with your campaign and thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to Two Broads Talking Politics. Our theme song is called Are You Listening? off the album Elephant-Shaped Trees by the band Imunari. And we're using it with express permission of the band. Our logo and all original artwork is by Matthew Weflin and is done expressly for Two Broads Talking Politics. We can be found on our website at twobroadstalkingpolitics.com. You can reach us by email at twobroadstalkingpolitics at com, on Twitter at two talk, on Facebook and Instagram, and you can support us on patreon.com. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and anywhere podcasts are found. If you are interested in advertising on Two Broads Talking Politics, please email us at twobroadstalkingpolitics at gmail.com.